just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. You've started another week. And still all kinds of crazy shit. I swear to God, if you came to me when I was 25 years old and told me what was ahead of me in 2020, 21, and 22, I would laugh at you because it's all unbelievable. From the pandemic to the Russians to Donald Trump to all the shit that's gone down. If you were to ask me when I was 25 years old, I would say, none of that's fucking possible. We're better than that. And then we get to 2020, 2021, and 2022, and we find out, yeah, no, we're not better than that. And that's a little frightening. Not so much for me and people of my vintage, but for our kids and our grandkids. So hopefully we can get some things straightened out and uh, get back on track here. But we got a long way to go, man. From Ukraine to the pandemic to the Republicans to Donald Trump to our government in general, there's a lot of shit to fix. And you know what? As much as people would like to give boomers and Gen Xers shit about what they've done or what they're doing, we're going to be the ones to be best at helping to fix this. We've got the years of experience. We've seen some of these things, and we've learned a lot over our lifetimes. You know, that's the one thing I tell my kids and I tell other people. You may look down your nose at older people, but remember this. All the things you're going through today, they already went through. And they have valuable information because they can tell you what to expect, what to try, what works, what doesn't work. If you have that information going into your problems today, it's going to make it a lot easier and give you a better outcome. So don't scoff at the older people. Take advantage of the experience they have and try to do better by using that experience. Now, I've been talking about this whole idea of pinning Putin and the Russians on the Republicans. And they've pretty much done it to themselves, but I want it to stick through November. So when people think about voting either Republican or Democrat, they can only think Republican when they think about Putin or Russians. They're going to have to be voting for Russians and Putin if they're going to vote Republican. It's about messaging. It's about making things stick. Democrats aren't known for being necessarily adept at that. But this is something we should look at. And, and I put this out there to our listeners. There's got to be some clever catchphrase or hashtag that we can tag on everything, make it go viral, and stick this to the Republicans. And we've been having a hard time finding just the right thing. I've gotten a lot of good um, ideas from some of the listeners who have emailed in their ideas. They are good ideas. But as I've said before, it's got to be clever, it's got to be quick, it's got to be concise. And uh, as much as whatever I've come up or the other things we've seen, they're close, but they're not quite there. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where I'll know it when I hear it. we got a couple of more, and these are getting close, if not nailing it. 
We had a, a woman by the name of Moon suggested Party of Putin or the GOP POP. That's interesting. That's got a nice lilt to it. <laughs> and then I got one that's really close, I think. And it's a takeoff on other things, you know, rethuglikins and all those things. But uh, they're suggesting reputin or reputinkins. Reputinkins. It's a little hard to say, but I like the fact that it's concise and it says it all. Republicans, Putin, same thing. I don't know. Think about it. Get back to me. Tell me what you think or give me some other ideas. But to those folks that gave me these, thank you very much. And it's weird. Uh, Moon actually emailed it to me like all the rest of you did. But the person, I don't even know who it is, uh, Reputinkins, that was somebody who commented on one of my TikToks. So I only have some obscure name. I don't know who it is. I don't know if they listened to the uh, podcast. And if you do and you're hearing this, let me know. Send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. So we'll keep working on that. But we're going to have to do something to attach them to Russia and Putin. But, but to be perfectly honest with you, Republicans are doing a pretty good job of doing it to themselves. <laughs> Every time they turn around, I saw Tom Cotton being interviewed uh, by uh, George Stephanopoulos. Now, Tom Cotton's this crazy Republican fuck, this representative. I think he's a representative or senator. I don't know. He's a piece of shit. Uh, and he's a big Trump humper. And they were trying, uh, Stephanopoulos was asking him, and they said, uh, will you denounce Donald Trump saying that Vladimir Putin is a genius and he was all for the invasion? And Tom Cotton looked, there, looked like he was absolutely terrified, and he didn't know what to say at first. And he said, well, I think if uh, you're wondering what Donald Trump thinks, you, you should invite him on here and talk to him. <laughs> no, bitch, that wasn't the question. He was asking what you think. So he asked him again, and he answered the same way. And this is what we want to do to Republicans. Put them in a corner. Put them in a position where they can't fucking answer shit. So when it comes down to uh, midterms, they are solidly attached to Russians, Putin, invasion, cruelty, atrocities, because that's who the Republicans are. They are supporting terrorists from Russia, but they, in fact, support terrorists here in this country. The Republican Party is essentially a terrorist organization in their own right. That sounds like I'm hyping it up or being biased, but look at the facts. 75, 80% of the people said January 6th didn't happen the way we said it happened. It was just a quiet protest. 75, 80% of the people still support Donald Trump, who says Vladimir Putin is a hero, is a genius, and his idea to invade was a great idea. So if that isn't a terrorist organization, I don't know what the fuck is. And people should know that, and they should be identified as such when we come to the midterms. And I'll guarantee you this. We're seeing Republicans pull back now because they see what's going to happen. And now we're going to get the separation of the party, like I said yesterday. And that's when the Republican Party will fall apart and become weaker and be much easier to beat. I'd rather have one part normal and one part crazy as opposed to all of them crazy. Because once they're split up, they have far less power. 
and that's when we're going to win this thing. So anyway, let's talk about Ukraine and Russia. Now, we know what Ukraine is uh, dealing with right now, with Russia invading. Russia is kind of surprised because Ukraine's a little tougher than they expected. This isn't going as easy as they thought. As I said in previous podcast, his military experts said, uh, you'll be able to do this in 72 hours. <laughs> no, not really. It's gone past 72 hours, and you've lost a lot, meaning Russia, going into Ukraine. And things are a little, uh, little tougher for Russia. And every day it gets tougher, it looks that much worse for Vladimir Putin. And I'll tell you right now, Vladimir Putin is in fucking dire trouble. He is in dire trouble, not so much from Americans or Europeans, but from his own country, because his country is being fucking devastated. The sanctions that they've put on Russia are unprecedented. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. No country has suffered with these this many sanctions ever in history. And it's taking its toll on Russia. Now, the unfortunate thing is these sanctions will impact the citizens, and the citizens are innocent parties in this whole thing. They, they haven't done anything wrong. They don't want to attack Ukraine. They don't even know why they're attacking Ukraine. But these people are being made to suffer, and that may be the end of Vladimir Putin. As we've said, America, the Europeans, can't go in and fight against Russia with Ukraine. They're not a NATO country, and if they do that, it could start World War III. So what America and European country and other countries around the world, Japan, Australia, all these places, have basically shut this fucking country down, meaning Russia. And it's causing some immense problems. They sanctioned several of the banks in Russia, and there was one bank that was left that would really be the end all to it which would put everything in turmoil in Russia. So a coalition of Western and Asian countries froze all assets from the Russian Central Bank. Now, this involves a lot of people, including the citizens of this country. So now we're looking at lines at banks trying to get money out. But you know what? They don't want the Russian money. They don't want the ruble. Because the Russian ruble right now, as compared to the U.S. dollar, is worth one penny. The value of the ruble has dropped off to almost nothing. And it's worth nothing. So if you're a Russian, whether you're rich or poor or middle income, if you've got whatever money you have in a bank account, a savings, uh, something for retirement, That thing just dropped off the table. If you had (laughs) $10,000, now it's worth 10,000 pennies or or, or 10 or 100 bucks. So these people have lost tons of money. They've lost tons of buying power. So they're trying to get money out of the banks and they're trying to get the currency changed to the dollar because the ruble isn't worth jack shit. Well, they're going to run out of money. Not everybody will be able to get any money. And that's going to cause even more of an upheaval in Russia. Now, here's something interesting, too. It's one thing that citizens of this country are troubled. They're protesting. They're putting pressure on their government. 
but there are 22, uh, 22 Russian oligarchs, the richest oligarchs in the country. These 22 oligarchs, who obviously are friends with Vladimir Putin, and because they're oligarchs, control a lot of the government in Russia, these 22 oligarchs lost $39 billion in one fucking day. One day they lost $39 billion. You think these guys are a little teed off? Yeah, I think they are. And now the oligarchs are pressuring um, Vladimir Putin. And uh, he's getting a little heat right now. He's getting a little bit of heat. But what does Vladimir Putin do? Vladimir Putin then doubles down. Doesn't that sound familiar? Donald Trump, when he was saying the stupidest things and uh, doing the stupidest things, instead of apologizing and backing off and getting out of trouble, he would double down and get in more trouble. And I got a story about that next. But in this case, with Vladimir Putin, that's exactly what he's doing. He's attacking more. He's got these unconventional weapons, these seriously dangerous weapons. He carpet bombed an apartment building. He missiled a kindergarten. This guy isn't backing off, which is kind of weird because for 22 years that he's been in office, he's always been an asshole, a mean guy, a tough guy, or at least that's what he portrayed himself as. But he's always been kind of measured. He's been smart. He's not been crazy. He's been tough to deal with and a mean guy, but he's never been crazy. But what he's doing now does give the impression that he's a little off, that it's crazy. It makes no sense. And I said that, you know, before before Russia went into Ukraine, I said there's no way he's ever going to do it because it's going to destroy his country. And, uh, of course, he did it. Now, a lot of people, the Trumplicans, came back at me and said, see, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly what I'm fucking talking about because he did do it. I was wrong there, yes, but in fact, the company, country is getting destroyed and people are suffering, suffering mightily. Now, with all the stuff that Vladimir Putin is doing, right now, this very minute, well, at least the time I'm recording this, we'll see what happens. Hold on. He has a 40-mile-long convoy of military vehicles headed toward Kiev. This convoy is 40 miles long. Military vehicles, tanks, trucks, all that sort of thing. And they're headed toward Kiev. And needless to say, what the intention is to get to Kiev, overtake and overwhelm the capital city, and take down the government. In spite of all that's going on, Vladimir Putin is doubling down. But here's, here's the thing. To do that, to have a lineup of military vehicles 40 miles long, I want to say this. I've had some Trump come on and saying, oh, you're wrong. It's just four or five miles long and it's 40 miles out. No, that's not true. The fucking convoy is 40 miles long. There's that many vehicles in this group, and it is 40 miles long. I don't give a fuck what you say. But here's the thing. Militarily, um, it's stupid to do that. Why would you put that many vehicles in one spot and leave them as sitting ducks? Well, now, of course, Vladimir Putin's probably saying to himself, well, what can, 
what can Ukraine do? They don't have that big an army. We're just going to overwhelm them and, and, and take them over and we'll show them how tough we are. And he may be right about that. What can Ukraine do? Do they have enough people, enough weapons to overtake a 40-mile convoy? Probably not. So now this is the point where you would say, God, it'd be nice if America or Europe could come in, help them fight and handle this situation. Because if they get to Kiev, they're going to take down the, 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 the government and the capital, and it's all done. Well, it won't be all done by then, even if they did that. But you would think, you would hope there's something that Americans and Europeans could do. Now, they can't go in there and fight. You, Ukraine isn't a NATO government or a country. And if they go in, they have the potential of starting a third world war. So that's not something they want to do. But what can they do? Well, that's a good question. I just heard about this. Um, maybe by the time you hear this podcast this may be over or in the process or whatever but i have to give some props <laughs> to take a word from my old music days back in the 80s i always said i gotta give them props i never knew what the fuck that meant until i did and now i throw it in every so often just to confuse fucks but um here's what you did eu flew 70 jet fighters into poland 70 EU jet fighters into Poland. And now Ukrainian pilots are going to Poland, getting in the planes, coming back to Ukraine. Now imagine this. You've got this 40-mile-long convoy, and you've got 70 fighter jets coming to Ukraine. You get some of these jets bombing and firing on the front of the convoy, the back of the convoy, and then intermittently throughout the convoy. That's going to be one fuck situation. And that's why it was a bad military move by Vladimir Putin's army. He put all these people to fucking gather. They're sitting ducks at this point if you have the proper weapons. Now, Vladimir Putin assumed they didn't have the proper weapons, and they didn't. But EU did, and EU dropped those fucking planes at Poland, so it's going to be interesting. Vladimir Putin takes that kind of loss, taking out that many vehicles. This is going to be a problem for Vladimir Putin. It's going to be a huge problem for Vladimir Putin. All right, I wanted to talk to uh, talk about Donald Trump a bit because he plays into all of this and uh, he adds to the chaos and the confusion and the problems here in our country regarding Vladimir Putin and this invasion. Now, Donald Trump said that Vladimir Putin was a genius. And he said the invasion was a wonderful idea. He ranted and raved about it. People yelled at him, said that was stupid. But, of course, he just doubled down. Then he went to CPAC. Now, CPAC is a terroristic cult, keg party, that worships a gaudy golden diaper Donnie. And he went there, allegedly, to clean up this little misstatement of his that Vladimir Putin is a genius. <laughs> well, you know, you don't give Donald Trump a microphone. Even if you give him a script, you know he's going off script. And that's exactly what he did. The people around him wanted to have him read a script to kind of walk back his love for Putin and his love for uh, Russia and his love for the uh, 
invasion. So you could see when he was standing on the podium, he was reading a script, and he said, well, this invasion of Ukraine by Russia is a terrible thing. There are people getting killed, and it's an awful thing. And if you would have stopped there, that would have helped. It wouldn't have saved him, but it would have helped. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Now he had to go off script. <laughs> so the next thing he says, but you know, Vladimir Putin is really pretty smart. And the big problem for America is that our leaders, Joe Biden, are dumb. Really, Joe Biden's dumb. Joe Biden has just united the entire world against Vladimir Putin. He's the dumb one. Donnie, you're the one that was best buddies with Vladimir Putin. You're the one that said he's a genius. You're the one that tried to help him uh, destroy NATO. Donnie, you're in on this fucking evasion. I guarantee you, you're in on it. And uh, what you have to say matters not to us. You're a treasonist. You're a piece of shit. We will deal with you later once we get this Ukraine thing done. Because there's tons of investigations. There's indictments waiting. And your life is going to be a living hell between now and forever. You might as well just shut up and not make it any worse for yourself about Vladimir Putin and the Russians. You see, the thing, Donnie... You're the savior for the Republican Party, but every time you talk, you destroy the Republican Party. These people want to support you, so they agree with everything you say, but now we've got Republicans siding with uh, Vladimir Putin in Russia. That's not playing well in America. That's not doing well for the Republicans. But, of course, Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about the Republicans. He doesn't care about the Democrats. He doesn't care about America, the Constitution, or anything about our country. All he cares about himself. Unfortunately, Republicans don't grasp that. So they ride this fucking careening car down a cliff like it's the only way they can be saved. But what's going to happen is they'll crash and they will all fucking die. So he says all this stuff. And then all the Republicans are just about shitting themselves. They don't know what to do with this. I saw an interview with Tom Cotton. And Tom Cotton is a representative or whatever he is. And uh, he's bumbling around because they're asking him, do you side with Donald Trump? And he can't say he is and he can't say he isn't you see this puts the republicans in a bad situation they want to support donald trump because he's their lord and savior but if they want to have any standing left as a republican they need to denounce donald trump and his love for vladimir putin but then they are afraid that donald trump will skewer them in the media and primary them you see, there's a very distinct line between right and wrong, truth and lies in this circumstance. And these people, these Republicans, don't know what to do. They can see truth and lies, right and wrong, but either way they go, they feel like they're going to get hurt, so they're fucking confused, they're shitting their pants, they don't know what to do or say, and you can see it on their faces when they're being interviewed. This is something we want to cultivate. We want to keep this chaos and confusion in the Republican Party. Keep them from being unable to answer things. Because every time they open their mouth, 
they fucking lie. Either you love Donald Trump and he supports you, which may or may not be worth anything, or you go against Trump and the shitstorm starts from Donald Trump. These Republicans are fucked any way they go, and they know it. They also know that this is not going to do well for them in November during the midterms. This is exactly the kind of thing we want. You know, we've got all the investigations. We've got uh, the possibilities of expulsions in uh, Congress. We've got the different states and uh, the January 6th committee looking into Donald Trump, the Trump administration, to all the insurrectionists, all the people that helped the insurrectionists. Any one of these things could destroy Donald Trump and the Republican Party. But now we have yet another thing, and they walked into it inadvertently. They thought they were so smart, but now they're siding with a guy who's invading a completely peaceful country. And he's doing it badly. And these people keep telling us that he's a hero, that he's a genius, and this is a good idea. Well, now they're finding out that wasn't a good stance to take. But the problem is Donald Trump isn't backing off of it. So they're fucking stuck. They want to say it's a bad thing because that's the right thing to do. And that's the thing that's going to keep the Republican Party alive. But they don't dare say that because Donald Trump will rip them apart. I think the last thing in the world I'd want to fucking be right now is a Republican because your party is lost and it's going to lose horribly in 2022's November election. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So here's an interesting quick thought. We know Russia is out of money. Their stock market is in the shitter. Their ruble is bottomed out. Nobody has money. People are standing in lines to get money. What money they get that's Russian money is worth nothing. The government is struggling. They're running out of things in this war, too. They need more stingers. They need more missiles. They're running out of them. They're using them too much, but they got no fucking money. Here's what's interesting. We know how Russians use social media with these troll farms. You know, they... They uh, stir up uncertainty and misinformation in America during the elections. We know they've done that. But if Russia and the government has no more money, how are they going to pay for fucking troll farms? (laughs) That's the best part of that. Now they can't afford to have fucking troll farms. We want them to quit doing the trolling and, and the misinformation and all this stuff. And all we had to do was shut down their fucking country. Because they got no money to do anything. They become weaker every day because they have less money and more needs. Good luck paying for the troll farms, you fuckheads. I'm tired of, uh, tired of you acting tough because you're weak as shit. That's what we're finding out about this country, Russia. They are far weaker than we expected. They're going into Ukraine, a company, a country that they should have overwhelmed. And they're fighting like hell to uh, 
keep alive in their own right. They're doing damage and they're doing some atrocities, but they're not getting far as they'd like to get. And they certainly didn't do it in the 72 hours they expected. Okay, so tonight, let's assume you're listening Tuesday. Joe Biden will be giving his first State of the Union tonight. And again, that's Tuesday. If you're listening Wednesday or Thursday, you will have already heard it. Now, this will probably be a different State of the Union than we've seen in many years, probably since the Cold War. If you're not old enough to know what the Cold War was, it was basically a standoff between Russia and uh, the U.S. and nuclear weapons and all that stuff. It wasn't a war where there was fighting, but there was a lot of war effects because of that. Now, Joe Biden finds himself in a different situation than Obama or Trump did. There is a war going on. It's not our war, but we are involved to a certain extent. And now Joe Biden has an opportunity in this State of the Union to come out and be strong and maybe even come off like a hero. Like I said, you can say Joe Biden's ineffective, but the fact of the matter is the entire world has come together at the urging of the United States and Joe Biden. And collectively, they've all focused on Putin to take him down, to make him suffer, to make his country suffer. That's quite an accomplishment for a president. That's never been done before. NATO has always been kind of split up, and they don't always agree on things. This situation, there's a united front with NATO countries and all other countries throughout the world. Nobody's ever done that, but Joe Biden did, and Donald Trump could never have done this. Now, what he's going to probably focus on um, is our fight against authoritarianism. Now, what he'll be talking about is Russia and Vladimir Putin, but expect him to kind of give an inference or a nod to the Republican Party. He, as much as anybody, wants to make them responsible, wants that to stick to them. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Vladimir Putin is authoritarian. He's a dictator. That was what Donald Trump aspired to be. And that is what the Trumplicans, the Republicans, seem to want for this country. They want to undermine our democracy. They want to overturn our elections. So what they feel comfortable with is Donald Trump, who is a wannabe authoritarian. So when Joe Biden is talking about this, expect uh, Republicans to get a little bit of sweaty palms because they'll know that it'll be partially pointed at them. And this is not how they want to be portrayed, but they will be portrayed that way. He has to be strong when he goes up there. He has to be in control, and he has to make the right choices in words. And no doubt he will have a speechwriter handle that for him. It'll be interesting to see if there'll be unity in the chamber. Now, when he's giving the State of the Union, you've got Congress and you've got the Senate all sitting. Now, you remember when you see these State of the Unions, it always seems like they say something and uh, one group stands up their party stands up and gives a standing ovation. And the other people will just sit there with a sour face saying, I don't like this shit because he's not my party. Well, this is going to be a different situation. 
the Republicans, many of them are siding with Putin and Russia, as I've said. But they know that's not a good look. That's not good optics. So when they're sitting there and Donald Trump or uh, Donald Trump is gone on and on about how Vladimir Putin is a hero, is a genius, and the invasion is a great thing, and all these Republicans have been supporting Donald Trump, it's going to be interesting when Joe Biden speaks up about Russia and the invasion. Are just the Democrats going to stand up and clap? Or are the Republicans going to clap too? Or are they just going to sit there mad at uh, mad at uh, Joe Biden? This is a tough situation for the Republicans. They're damned if they do and damned if they don't. And it's a great position to put them in. For all intents and purposes, when Joe Biden talks about Russia and the invasion and how we need to fight authoritarianism, how we need to do whatever we can to stop dictators and this country from invading Ukraine. If all of the people in that chamber don't stand up, they're going to walk out of there with a stink on them like nobody believes. And the fact of the matter is you know that Republicans have an aversion to agreeing with any Democrat about fucking anything. This is going to be the entertaining thing to watch. How do they respond to Joe Biden when it comes to Russia and the invasion? If they just sit there, they're fucking themselves over. If they clap, Donald Trump is going to be fucking furious. This is going to be fun. If you don't watch State of the Unions, that might be worth watching this time around. Now... One of the things you have to understand about the Russian army, I know we were led to believe that this Russian army is so powerful and everything like that. I mean, the image of Russia that we had was probably far bigger and stronger than we thought. And and the way that's done is the way Putin carries himself. And I've tried to tell this to other people. When you walk into situations, whether it be business, school, friendships, relationships. How you're perceived is the way you act. Vladimir Putin walks in, he acts like the tough guy, talks tough. All this stuff gets around, and we know how people in America and in Russia and wherever will believe anything that's in front of their face. They see he's acting tough. They see he's trying to appear smart. So that means he's tough and smart. But now when we see him attacking Ukraine, we see a totally different thing. He isn't so smart. He isn't as tough as he thought he was. And he's not as militarily brilliant as he would let us to believe. He's failing in Ukraine. Even if he overtakes Ukraine, takes down the government, he has failed because he's lost too many Russian soldiers, too many Russian bits of equipment, and he's looked to be made like a fool. Even if he wins, he comes out of this badly. So he's caught in a corner. He's, he's in trouble. So what you have to understand about, uh, about the Russian army, it's not quite as strong as we once thought it was. What we find out is that the Russian army is largely conscripted. Now, what that means is they're drafted. You know, back like when we had Vietnam, kids didn't want to go to 
war, but they were drafted, and by law they had to go to war. Now, in Russia, I think every kid, certainly the men, maybe women too, um, they are forced to join the military. Now, in normal circumstances, when there isn't a war, it's good training, it's good experience, and these young kids, 19, 20 years old, come in and they do whatever they have to do. They're never tested because they aren't in a war. Now these inexperienced, conscripted 19- and 20-year-old kids are sent to Ukraine to fight, to kill people, to take down a government. But here's the problem. Ukraine and Russia, they're friendly. They're brother countries. People have friends in Ukraine, and they have friends in Russia. People have family in Ukraine, and they have family in Russia. This is like a next-door state. You know, Wisconsin here or wherever. There's nothing to fight about. You know, you've got some common relations, some common uh, situations, and, you know, they're just another state. That's how it is here. So now these kids are being sent to the Ukraine to kill people. They probably never, ever killed anybody, so this is traumatic for their own right. I've been hearing, uh, I think the Russian ambassador is reading text from, I'm sorry, the Ukraine ambassador in the UN is reading texts from Russian soldiers. And again, these are kids. One of the texts said something like, Mom, this is really hard. I, I don't want to do this. It's I don't know what to do. I'm stuck here, and this is what's happening. And that's probably a common thought with a lot of these kids. They don't know why they're there. They don't know why they have to do whatever they have to do. It's It's got to be a frightening situation. So, so here's the thing that's weird. The thing that's weird is that you've got these Russian military uh, troops going into Ukraine. They're bombing people, shooting people, sending missiles off to people. And now we're hearing about different kinds of uh, uh, chemical war weapons, uh, other weapons that are kind of like hypersonic weapons or whatever. Shit you shouldn't need and shit that shouldn't even be illegal or legal. And these kids are upset. So if you're a Ukrainian and you see this horde of young kids coming and shooting at you and bombing buildings and missile, uh, sending missiles into kindergartens, all you can do is hate these people, even though you may have known them for a long time, even though you may have considered them as friends. But I got to tell you, when some people are doing those kinds of things coming at you, you just get mad and you start firing back. So now you've got young people in Ukraine doing the same thing to these people. What you got to understand about the Russians, and this is confusing, and this is hard to get your head around. While these young soldiers are invaders, aggressors, they're also victims. Victims of Vladimir Putin and the uh, Russian government and the Russian military. They're using these people as pawns to do things they don't want to do that make no sense, and there's no reason for that. They're making these kids murderers of neighbors and friends and family and shit like that. That is the most fucking appalling thing of this whole shit. How can you possibly do that? It's really a confusing situation. I don't think the people in Russia are bad people. 
I think they're just like people in Ukraine, just like people in America, just like people everywhere else. They don't have a ton of money. They're just trying to live their best life. They're trying to get by by paycheck to paycheck and try to raise a family, have some kids, have some grandkids, and do your best at trying to live a decent, good, and peaceful life. So now these kids have been made to have that taken away from them, send them to war for no possible good reason. You see them attacking Ukraine, and you can hate them for that, but at the same time, you got to wonder, this fucking sucks, because these kids are being made to do it. I mean, what's their option? I don't want to go in the service. I don't want to fight in Ukraine. This is Russia, for God's sake, and this is Vladimir Putin. If they don't do it, they're probably fucking dead or in some Siberian gulag for the rest of their life. So these kids are caught between a rock and a hard place, and they don't know what to do. And now they're there, and they're upset. But what that means is that army is not that tough. It's not what we were led to believe. You remember the Rocky thing where uh, Rocky was fighting Drago, the guy from Russia? He was kind of the epitome of what we thought Russians were, this big, strong, powerful, ominous guy who's basically a robot who's only designed to kill. <laughs> That's the funny thing I was telling my uh, my kids. I said, you know, back in the day, the 60s and 70s, our government led us to believe that everything and everybody in Russia was bad and wanted to kill us. That may have been true by the government standings, but I think the rest of the people, you know, they looked over to America and thought, God, I wish I was there and had some fucking freedom. So it really wasn't how it was portrayed. And you would think if, if, if I was a young man in the 70s and you told me Russia was going into Ukraine, oh, Jesus Christ, they're sending, uh, um, sending, the, sending thousands of Terminators into the country. Well, as it turns out, that's not true. As I said, these are young kids not knowing what they're doing or knowing why they're doing it and not wanting to do it. It's really a, a conundrum here. You're in Ukraine. You might have people you know or people you respect or people you like now trying to kill you because they have to, because if they don't, they're going to get killed. Now you have to respond to be mad at those. This is a very confusing war. It'd be one thing if they were on opposite sides of the world, but these are next-door fucking neighbors, and that is a problem. And uh, with all these things going on, the economy going to shit, billionaires losing their money, kids being killed in Ukraine, this is all going to come back on Vladimir Putin. In realistic terms, this may be the only way to end this thing. If we aren't going to fight as Americans or Europeans to shut this down, and we could, but we're afraid it'll be World War III. And now you've got this crazy fuck rattling his saber about nuclear weapons. Everybody's now worried about World War III. And I'll tell you this, that's probably not an issue. To resort to nuclear weapons is, is a long way off. Because even if Vladimir Putin is crazy enough to push the button, that will be the breaking point for the rest of Russian government. They will take him out. And that may be the only way we can end this thing. Make it so difficult for Russia in every possible way 
that they do away with Vladimir Putin, pull him out of office, pull him out of power, send him in exile, or in those countries, who knows, they might even fucking kill him. But that's the only way this is going to be resolved is if Russia themselves takes Vladimir Putin out of control. Russia has a weak economy, as I've stated before, but they have plenty of potential if, with all the resources they have, if they had somebody who knew what they were doing running it. Vladimir Putin is not only a war criminal, and make no mistake, there is a, a worldwide investigative body looking into Vladimir Putin's war crimes. He may well stand a uh, worldwide court for his war crimes, and he should. We'll see if that happens. But um, if they could get Vladimir Putin out of there and get somebody decent who, who, who could actually cooperate and work with other people, they have so many resources that could be valuable that under other countries could use, including oil, that they could flourish. They could have a bigger economy if they were just willing to be cordial and communicative with other countries. The only way they're going to do that is if they get rid of Vladimir Putin. And I will bet you um, that that will be the end game, the way that this gets shut down. That may be the only way. I don't know if EU and America can give them enough weapons, Ukraine, to take these guys out. By sheer numbers, they're smaller than Russia. Russia is insurmountable. We can keep giving weapons and missiles and those sorts of things, but I don't know if that's enough. So the pressure has to stay on Russia. So Russia themselves take out Vladimir Putin. All right, now we talked about sanctions and the pressure that is on Russia right now. The question is, what is the criteria for lifting the sanctions? I mean, we've got to get some resolution to this, and we can't let Russian people um, die in the streets because of these sanctions. But we have to get this cleared up and this whole problem erased before we lift sanctions. But when do we lift the sanctions? Do we lift the sanctions completely when they pull out of Ukraine? Is that when we do it? I don't think so. Maybe you don't lift the sanctions until Vladimir Putin is out of power. That would make sense. Or do you insist that they pull out, Vladimir Putin is gone, and they do it slowly just to make sure everything settles down and they get the right kind of leader in there as opposed to another copy of Vladimir Putin? See, this is going to be the tough part because you're dealing with people's lives in Russia. You're destroying Russia from the inside right now, which is also ironic. Because Nikita Khrushchev said that he would destroy America from the inside without shooting a gun. Turns out that was projection because that's what's happening to Russia right now. We're not shooting a gun, but we're destroying them from the inside out. And that may be the most devastating and long-lasting way to destroy a country. It's one thing to beat them in war, but when you brought it down to rubble economically... That's a hard thing to come back from. The only problem we have to worry about is Vladimir Putin. As long as he's in power, he will not end this until he can find a way to do it while looking good, while still looking powerful. 
He won't just retreat and back off because he just can't. He's a narcissist. He's a sociopath. He only cares about himself. So he needs to look good if they pull out. That's why we are where we are. As I've said, I I said there's no way he's going to do us because it's the stupidest thing in the world to do. We're now finding out I was right. It is the stupidest thing in the world for his country. But his mind is so fucked up, he can't back off. He just keeps doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. So no sanctions are going to be lifted until this Ukrainian war is over. And this is going to squeeze and squeeze the Russian economy until there is nothing left. Literally. They might have to start brand new. Start fresh to build the economy again after all that's been done. And in that process, all these people that live in Russia are going to struggle all the way. This will be literally a third world economic country. They have a lot of nuclear weapons, but you can't eat fucking nuclear weapons, right? You got to feed the people. You got to keep them happy. Otherwise, you're out the fucking door. And that's where Vladimir Putin currently is. So I'm hoping that Russia does what they need to do, hoping that Russia is suffering with enough pain to make that the only choice, because that may be the only way this thing ends. I think you need to say, okay, the sanctions come off as soon as you get out of Ukraine, as soon as you get rid of Vladimir Putin, and we'll slowly reinstate them just to make sure you don't fuck up again. That's going to be a hard thing to do to the people of Russia, but it's unfortunate that's the only way to do this, because clearly we can't trust Vladimir Putin or the Russians. They've lied to us over and over again, and we can't be played here. We cannot be played here. We've got to do this the right way. Last thing I'll say about this, I've always said when you're in a fight with a bully, you got to step out punch them in the nose, swat them in the snout. But when they go down because of who they are, you've got to make sure they're down for a while because the moment you turn their back, they're going to be jumping on it. So you can't leave Vladimir Putin or the Russians, the Russian government, any room at all. If we're going to do what we're doing, we need to take them down to the fucking ground and make them stay there for a while so we can regroup and do what we can to help reconstitute a new Russia, a new regime, and a new attitude about their dealings with the world. All right, we're wrapping it up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for uh, joining me and sticking it out with me. I appreciate it. Uh, If you have questions, comments, or complaints, by all means, send them to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Or um, go to anchor.fm, find Rational Boomer Podcast, leave a voicemail. You have a great day. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.